first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Um, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Texan from the far north. Uh, I don't know what we're calling it these days. Yeah, you're, well, you're pretty much right about that. Yeah, I just always like to joke about myself that I'm I'm from Texas, Finland. So, for the for the occasion, brought me some Finlandia. Oh, that is magnificent. It's a vodka from the homeland, and be mixing it with a little bit of grapefruit seltzer because it's my favorite. And yourself. What do you got there? I myself have a uh, Hardwall's original gin and orange here. It's magnificent. <laughs> it's actually it's the, the best last... sort of like original drink here. It's like that that that's the name. Original. Original. <laughs> rather. So the the last time you were on the show, which was like well over a year ago now, I think. It was, yeah, probably uh, like one and a half years, yeah. I think we must acknowledge that the old mother load was not at his best. <laughs> Was, uh, I've had a really good night uh, before the interview. Still had a good night through the interview, but I don't remember any of it. Um, so let's do it again. Yeah, I, I do agree. Like, uh, but we sort of had to do it again. I even have like a whole list of topics I could actually talk about. This time I have them. Uh, how would I say? Well, uh, well arranged because, like, in the last episode, there were like the the topics. Well, all, all, all over the place, basically. I, I was like talking about uh, goals of FPS, and then an hour later, I was talking about again goals of FPS. Then it was less about me and more about like how, for example, the source source engine came to be. Like, I even started explaining like uh, how how much knowledge I had of the uh, the history, which was sort of about me. But like, I, I explained for some reason like uh, why the source came, source engine actually just came to be. I don't know. Well, I think what's so interesting about you is that you're very much like a, a renaissance man. So like, yeah, it's hard to defend. I, I had this problem too. When I, the first time I was on, I think I was on QuakeCast, And at one point they asked me like, um, so what is it you do? And I had the worst time answering that question because like, <laughs> well, I run a discord server, but I also do a podcast and I, uh, do at the time i didn't really do as much as i do now but like well i do event production and uh, i do shout casting and uh you know consult with game developers on all kinds of things because i talk to them all the time so i kind of have like all these weird 
bits of knowledge that I've acquired over a few years of doing this shit. And like, I, just, I don't know what the fuck to tell people. Like, what do you do? What's your job title? Like now yeah. it's easy. I'm the CEO of in the keep suck my dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but for you, it's like, um, you're like the, the historian of FPS and you're also like, you know, a shoutcaster. And even recently you've become a, uh, I, I will say game developer. You're going to say I'm a doom modder, but uh, I don't yeah. even like when people say that. Like they're like, I'm a doom modder. I'm like, yeah, but you're a game developer. You just work within the doom engine, right? Like, yeah, you'll figure that how to make money later or some shit. But like, so what's on your mind? How have you been? And what, what are you thinking about these days? Uh, well, actually, yeah, but the, the last time I was in uh, this podcast, it was like just before I started my military service. And now it's finally over. It has been for like three months, but like uh, I did a like a whole year service in uh, the military. Basically, uh, you have a choice to be either for six months, nine months, or twelve months here in uh, Finland in the military, and uh, you have little to no control over it yourself. I mean, you can propose your willingness and like uh, how long you can actually be there, but like uh, I even myself wanted only to be uh, nine months. But uh, I was still chosen to be uh, an NCO student, basically, and I even got ranked up to corporal at the end of my service. But I was there for a whole year. But uh, yeah. af- after that, uh, I've started my studies now in January in IT engineering, basically in a U- University of Applied Sciences. And uh, because of that, I would say uh, developing Insanity Deathmatch and uh, just uh, streaming goals of FPS has been like very much on the secondary part, like a very only 10% of my time. And basically I would say 80% of me is just like now studying and the other 10% is just basically me eating or sleeping. <laughs> basically that that's what it is. That's student's life right there. Oh man. I do not envy the student life. I have no intention <laughs> of, if I ever go back to college, it'll just be for fun. It'll be like to do, uh, I don't know. I'll study like theology or some shit that has yeah. no bearing in my career because I don't know. I've, I think of <clears throat> when I grow up, I know what I want to be kind of thing that like, so it's kind of hard to tell people that because a lot of people, I, I hate this idea and I'm, it's different in Europe than it is in America. Of course, like you guys yeah. don't go into debt for college so much. Uh, I, there is no fucking way I would uh, recommend anybody unless they're going to be like a doctor or a, a lawyer or an engineer. Yeah. Don't fucking go to college. Fuck all that shit. But like, if it's fucking free, like, yeah, definitely like take advantage of that. You're uh, so you're going into it engineering. Yeah. That's going to be very useful for you as a uh, streamer and broadcaster in the future. I foresee. So at least it's like kind of, I mean, you could probably find a job, just a job job, but I mean, you will be able to dramatically improve your product that you currently put out into the world anyway, as a result of what you're studying. So something useful. If you're going to go to college kids, do something fucking useful or else go like learn a trade, like learn to swing a hammer. <laughs> yeah. That's what I did. Look at me now. <laughs> I mean, basically I, I had these studies for like, uh, Basically, even before my military, just right when I uh, graduated from high school, uh, mm-hmm. I immediately took the exams uh, here in the freaking school I'm currently studying in, where I'm not actually studying in there. I'm just like, obviously, because of the pandemic, I'm just uh, studying at home. But 
I did the exam there, and that was the only time I actually have been in the <laughs> that building. And uh, yeah, I've I ha- I've had the place in the studies for like well, one and a half years before I actually uh, started them. And uh, from here on, they will take approximately four years. Yeah, they will end in December twenty twenty three if things actually mm-hmm. go well. Hopefully, they do. Like, uh, but you're pretty much right. The student counselor also said that. I I would be very good since I have the experience in media and streaming and stuff like that. I would be very good in the sort of media side uh, jobs and just IT, IT engineering and yeah, maybe I would have like a uh, some kind of a possibility there. Yeah, I mean you're an experienced broadcaster. You, it, the thing is, you got your hands dirty in the industry you wanted to be in before you entered and into any kind of like higher education for it. So a lot of a lot of yeah. dudes. And, and ladies and, and in between folk who we <laughs> love and respect, um, go to, go to school. Like in America, it's like, as soon as you finish high school, you go straight to college because they've told you that's what you have to do or else you'll be nothing. Like there's literally this kind of propagandized culture around it. Like you'll never be anything if you don't go to college. Like I remember <clears> my teacher telling me that in like my 12th grade year, cause I was telling him like, uh, I'm not going to college. And he's like, well, why not? I'm like, well, because I'm going to do all this other shit that doesn't require <laughs> me to do that. Like, yeah. Like, I'm going to be a pro wrestler or some, you know, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but I was like, I'm going to go on an adventure and do shit with my life. And he literally told me like, well, we're just going to be a fucking flunky for the rest of your life. You're never going to make anything of yourself. And I was just like, all right, fuck you. I'll show you. And I think of, uh, you know, Biggie Smalls in that song where he, is it juicy? Where he's like, this one goes out, all the teachers that said I would never fucking be anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, and And I mean, there he was was, rolling in cash. (laughs) But so I actually wanted to start off before we go on your list of topics. Um, I actually just recently interviewed uh, Jordan Moshi, who did uh, Conscript. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that game, but the, the game is about being a conscripted soldier in uh, France during World War One. So you're in oh. the trenches of Verdun, and we we talked a lot about just the nature of. Uh, being conscripted into the military. Now, as you know, in America, it's a totally voluntary force. So I have no idea of what it's like to just kind of be told, like, you're just going to go join the fucking military. And I kind of wanted to get a little bit of your, like, what was your year of being, is it the Finnish guard? What do you guys call it? Uh, Basically the Finnish armed forces. That's what it is. Okay. But that's where I signed up in actually. And uh, so the equivalent of that to our, uh, American audience would be like the national guard essentially. Yeah. yeah. So what was that experience like for you, man? What did you learn? Well, basically I just like, as a, as an NCO, cause I, I was the first an NCO student for like, uh, three months or so. And then I ranked up into a, a corporal, but basically, uh, during, when I was an NCO, I had like a, uh, great listen to, uh, keep up more responsibility of my own life and my uh, basically my uh, own conscripts or privates, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. It's like my own recruits. I, I led them and uh, taught them and everything. It's like, and I, I basically the, there's the uh, option to be either an NCO or a reserve officer in the mm-hmm. conscript here in the conscript army in uh, Finland. And I went to be an NCO and I, I wanted to be an NCO myself only because uh, I wanted to like 
how would I say, train the uh, the privates more than just lead them. It's like basically two different things, and those yeah. actually determine like where you're better at. But uh, the the reserve officers that were selected to be in the reserve officer school later on, they were mo- mo- mostly the leaders, and they ranked up into second lieutenants at the end of their service. Yeah. So uh, to clarify for our non-military folk out there, an NCO is a non-commissioned officer. Yes. And it, what he's referring to, like when you become a from lieutenant to you know a captain, major, and so on, gen, up to general, these are called commissioned officers. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, the difference, and and it's, you guys have a different system, but in America, it's like uh, in order to become a commissioned officer, you have to already have a college degree, and there are programs that some people go through, like a ROTC. Right. Uh, program or something like that, or OTS if they just join the military having the degree already. Um, in which case, they become you know the quote leaders officers of the military. Now, a non commissioned officer is an enlisted person, uh, or in your case, conscripted person. Yeah, conscripted. Who, yeah. yeah, who um, you know is a tradesman. So like they train you in um, some sort of skill whatever that happens to be that's useful to the military. And then you can over, it's different for you guys in, in America, like for years, you know, like three or four, maybe five years, uh, you work your way up through the, the lower ranks to eventually become a, an NCO. And then you can, uh, essentially at that point you take on the, the duty of leading. You go from being a strictly a follower to someone who has, uh, troops underneath them that you take care of and you help them through their career. Mm. So I just, we're just using a lot of like terminology to, uh, I was afraid a lot of yeah. the audience would just lose them quickly. So <clears throat> no, it, no, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. it's good. You're using that basically. Uh, well, the same goes here in Finland. If you want to be like a, uh, an active duty NCO or like a commissioned officer, either a Lieutenant or a captain, so on. Uh, you have to have, uh, well, for an NCO, an active duty NCO, you have to have a se- second level degree, basically, upper second level mm-hmm. degree. It's either a university or college, even. I don't know. Well, what's college here is just basically your university here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just just like some kind of a higher uh, upper second level degree to be an NCO on active duty. But then if you want to be like a lieutenant, uh, an active duty you first have to attend a cadet school here and then uh, first you rank up uh, into a cadet then just study there for like i believe three years then you rank up into a lieutenant uh be as a lieutenant in the uh, the armed forces for a while and uh train and lead the uh the conscripts whether they be only privates or just ngos or even reserve officers you train basically all of them and so, uh, yeah no I was going to say that the joke in America, kind of the equivalent to what you're saying is like um, if you were to address an NCO, right? And yeah, this is in most branches, the Air Force being sort of a uh, – there's a bit of a different culture in the Air Force. But so like you have, you refer to an officer as a sir, right? You're like Or ma'am, you know, yeah, uh, essentially. Like they – so – and this is to reflect the – it's like if you were knighted, right? If you were uh, in, in a monarchy and the, you were knighted by a queen or, or, or a king, and they say, like, okay, stand and rise as a knight. And you are now a, a leader officer of their military at that point. 
Um, so a commissioned officer sort of acts in that rank. And so then we call them sir or ma'am. Uh, and then NCOs, if you call an NCO, like, yes, sir, to an NCO, their response is always like, don't you ever call me that shit again. Don't call <laughs> me, sir. I work for a living, which is like to imply that the commissioned officer, which they do, obviously. Yeah. There's a reason why like 50, like generals are like 40 to 50 <clears> years <throat> old and they look like they're about 80 because they're under a lot of stress. Yeah. They make yeah. a lot of really hard decisions. All it day. isn't much different here in Finland either. It's like every... Every general just looks like they're in the freaking pension age. Yeah, and then and then your like senior enlisted guys look like they're about ninety five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like they've worked hard, like they do manual fucking labor yeah. their whole life just to get you know paid less than half of what a major yeah. gets paid or whatever. But it's funny, man. I love the culture surrounding that whole deal. It is. It's fantastic. What did yeah. you? What did you learn about like uh, you know just? people and leadership and brotherhood and all that stuff. Like I'm sure it was a beautiful experience just being locked away. And this is during COVID for the whole time for you too. Oh yes. This was, yeah, this was during like very, very special times because like uh, the normal schedule before the pandemic was that you Mm -hmm. were uh, five days in a week, basically Monday through Friday, you were in the military. You couldn't get like home at all, but during the weekend uh, you were let home for a weekend leave basically. And uh, on special occasions, whether those be like uh, if your company needed to be on a military training exercise in the woods, for instance, they may be it may be two weeks, but on very like specific occasions. And every time uh, we just heard that we were like closed down for two weeks. Now, this was before the pandemic. We were like, mm-hmm. oh, crap. Oh, shit. And we only got uh, a weekend leave the next week. So we were like, what, 12 days locked down. But then it was, uh, I remember, it was actually Friday the, uh, the 13th of March, <laughs> very fittingly. And uh, we were, at that very week, we were supposed to be uh, going on a weekend leave. And at that very day, too. And uh, I remember those, uh, the same uh, same crewmates on my uh, my room, basically, they're just, like, hyping up. It's like, yeah, let's go holidays today, right now. And... Uh, during the morning, somebody read the news in the Defense Forces site that uh, they're actually devising a schedule uh, where you're closed down for two weeks and then go on a week leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- th- this was basically, it's hard to explain, but like uh, our brigade was like divided into three groups. One would be uh, in the uh, inside the brigade for a week. The other would be uh, on a military training exercise for a week. And then the third one would be on a week leave. And this shift would just like uh, switch between each week. And uh, we were just hoping that we would just go on a week leave immediately after <laughs> after just hearing all this. But as soon as our company uh, captain basically said uh, that we're actually staying here, everybody was disappointed. It's like, oh, crap, we're staying for another week. This is betrayal. <laughs> But we we pulled it through. We were like, "Holy crap!" Just imagining it. After this week, it's gonna be a week leave, guys, and uh, it so did happen. And on the twenty seventh, uh, which was during this week leave that I actually had, I, I was like amazed myself how long it was and how long it felt compared to those weekend leaves. But uh, on the twenty seventh of March, which was my twentieth birthday, uh, the defense forces once again, as they learned more and more about COVID. Uh, for instance, with the quarantine times, 
they devised a new schedule that was going to be a double diversion of the two-week and one-week system. So we were basically, next time we went back to the company and the, uh, to the brigade, we were closed down for a whole four-week uh, period. So the first two weeks, and it even, even started with a two-week uh, military exercise and then a two-week uh, lockdown inside the brigade, and then we got a two-week leave. So we got home for like two weeks. And uh, with that schedule, it's just I, I pulled it through with that whole schedule during my whole, like, well, not whole year, but like the rest of the year, basically from March to December onwards. I mean, it must have been really, uh, I wouldn't, I was about to say fun, but just a, a well, different <laughs> experience to go from being a straight up civilian yeah, yeah. to like, you know, following orders all the time. And like, you learn mm -hmm. to trust, I guess, the people above you. Right. Like you, yeah. Or at least you learn to, even if you don't trust them to just do what the fuck they say, shut yeah. up and like, let it happen. You know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, my old boss, man, way back in the day, uh, when I was a, an electrician's apprentice, he, he would, uh, tell us sometimes like you get a raw deal, you know, with a, with the contractors and then he'd be like, son, sometimes it's just best to bend over and close your eyes and wait till it's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but, and that was good advice. Like, but, somehow yeah. or another. Um, so, uh, I, I sent you a, a link because I was, I was thinking about, uh, I, I'm not sure how I pronounce his name exactly, but, uh, Amal, is that, uh, Covenant? I'm not sure how I pronounce this fucker's name. No, don't we have, you, you guys have to write it down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, sent, I sent you a link, but, the famous uh, Finnish soldier. So uh, during World War II, he uh, his, his entire uh, I'm not sure what division size this was, but yeah. basically his entire group was killed. And uh, at the time, it was just a different time in military history. Everybody, uh, everybody had a little bit of a stimulant, you know, a little something mm -hmm. to take the edge off and keep them fighting. Yeah. And so all he took the as a corporal, by the way, <clears throat> took all of the uh, meth off of his dead comrades at one time. So like 16 servings or some shit of raw 1940s methamphetamine and just went on a killing rampage and killed a literal fuck ton of uh, soldiers who were invading. Yeah. And the Finnish army has this long standing, uh, like just, just tremendous amount of respect from other armed forces, right? Because you guys uh, fight on skis. <laughs> Did you yes. learn how to do that? No, no. <laughs> it's good of you to mention that because, like, I got skis uh, during my recruits period, which was like yeah. one and a half months long at the very first time I entered there. But I never used them because there was no snow. <laughs> and I, one and a half months later, after my recruit period was over, we just switched them to bicycles. That was pretty much it. Yeah. There was literally no snow around there. But you're very, you're very much right. It's just like uh, why we have a conscript military here is like, uh, or why we, why why men here have an obligation obligation to serve in the military is just it has to do with first of all our history with the former yeah. Soviet Union, and then uh, also because of our like very small population for a very big country. We only have five and a half million here, I believe. Yeah, yeah. There there are literally cities in america with more people than are in the entire country yeah. of finland but but the difference being that 
you guys have a uh, reputation for being one of the most badass militaries oh, yeah. there is. And because, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Motherfuckers skiing at you with a rifle. Mm. Like, and, I mean, a- that's... It, it, there's always the looming threat. I mean, you're in, like, a really p- precarious situation. You're standing right between Russia and the rest of Europe. And, yeah. it, I mean, there's just so much responsibility on you guys to kind of take care of yourselves and your community and everything and uh, it's a different type of thing because it, it, it bums me out because I, I think a lot of americans are kind of jaded about this i mean we have the quote you know world's most powerful military and uh it's an all-volunteer force so it's like less than you know one percent of the entire population of this country that actually yeah. serves and i'm not saying that anybody owes anybody anything but it's just a matter of there are fewer people in <clears throat> this first world country with a honest perspective on what goes on everywhere else and why we mm. are such a powerful nation and everything. And I, I salute you, man. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you, you just, you guys kick ass. I have a toast toast to all my brothers and sisters uh, who have served in all the armed forces around the world. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. But, but all right. So let's talk about video games. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah, it's fine. I could, I could no, basically you have more talk to share. about. Yeah, I could take basically talk about my service all day, but, but like, yeah. Well, you have the open reign. You you requested. I want to come back on well, the show. I told you anytime <laughs> you wanted. You could talk about anything you want, and I will sit here and listen to you. Well, if I if I, I just may say one thing, the 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 four week and two week periods is like what four, four week lockdown and two week on a leave. Uh, it got even worse when we got new recruits after. Mm-hmm. After basically when we ranked up to corporals, and uh, we had to train them, and it was even harder for us. I, I I would have thought it wouldn't get much harder than this, and it would just be more of a pain in the ass for the new recruits. But leading them and training them, uh, getting them to places at a certain time, uh, at a certain pace as well, was just very very demanding. And uh, that also learned uh, just taught me uh, very many things, and just like. Uh, well, I would say just like keeping my timetable uh, up to date and everything like that. And just, just being, uh, being fast and very punctual. Being responsible for more than just yourself is very difficult. Yeah, right? very, yeah, like very I, much. Yeah. As a new recruit, you're literally responsible for like folding your underwear and making your bed, like yeah. that, that kind of shit. And then by the time you make it up to a certain point, you're like, did everyone else make their like yeah. <laughs> fold their underwear and make their bed? And you know, do they know how to do things? Or are they following like their what they've been told? I, I totally, totally understand, dude. It's a, uh, it's a journey. <laughs> it's a, it's a whole thing. It is, yeah. <clears throat> so, insanity deathmatch. Tell us a little bit about insanity deathmatch. I've gotten the privilege to see a whole lot of uh, gameplay up to now. Well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Just recently, let's just say because of my studies have gotten in the mm-hmm. way quite badly, uh, I haven't like uh, developed Insanity Deathmatch a whole lot. Currently, I'm just developing the 0.95 version. Mm-hmm. And uh, But if I just may just tell about it, start, first of all. Uh, let's just say I got into Doom modding uh, in 2015, I believe. Yeah, just uh, at the very end of my secondary school, just before I attended in high school, basically. Uh it was in 2015, and uh, I did this project called Cataclysm, which I, I 
I thought it would have like it was sort of a Skulltaggers and Jonam thing with both like single player megawatt maps and also multiplayer thingies so, like well different weapons for deathmatch and different maps for deathmatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem was, I mean, I, I had developed the the weapons for it. I even like uh, composed a couple midis for it, and uh, that's also one contribution I have made to the uh, the Doom community. I'm sort of a midi composer as well, although I, uh, my tracks are not very original. I've just mostly done like covers, covers of uh, different tracks and everything like that. But uh, we featured a few of them on the show. That yeah, you, you know, have actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm very, very grateful to that too. But uh, it actually just like didn't go anywhere because I couldn't make any maps myself. I thought, well, this is going to take way too long for me to make any maps, and uh, mm-hmm. I just disbanded the uh, the projects for a while and i just played others do mods as well instead but uh <laughs> but basically years later i mean in 2019 may 2019 i believe it was i just sort of got back into it i got back back into just like messing up with slade and for some reason i mean i don't know why but for some reason i had this thought like what what if all the weapons would just fire like the super shotgun did Basically, like how the super shotgun fires is, uh, it fires twenty pellets at a certain spread. And uh, what mm-hmm. if all the weapons fired the same amount of projectiles or bullets, uh, timed with the, the bullets as well, uh, with the same spread? So the pistol shot exactly like the super shotgun, just with the pistol's rate of fire. Shotgun shot seven times the pellets of super shotgun. So basically, what is that? Fourteen hundred. <laughs> No, 140, actually, yeah, sorry. It's multiplied too much there, but uh, Super Shotgun did exactly the same, so it multiplied 20 times 20, so it's 400 pellets, and then uh, Rocket Launcher shot 20 rockets at the spread of the Super Shotgun, BFG shot 20 BFG balls. I don't know why I did that, but, yeah, then I decided to test that in Deathmatch, and uh, I found it to be, obviously, very, very off-balance, <laughs> but, <laughs> but basically... I, I started just like developing it further. It's like, what if the, this is actually was more balanced? And then I uh, I developed like uh, sort of a double barreled. It wasn't double barrel, but it was like double rocket firing, rocket launcher. And then I, I kept the super shotgun very powerful, but I nevertheless like buffed the the other weapon. So it was actually uh, it was yeah. actually made very uh, balanced. But then I realized uh, when I played it. In multiplayer servers in Zendronum, that a sort of a balancing mod had already been done. That was Eon weapons. Yeah. And then, then I realized that, well, what if I had my own elements? I could actually add more weapons to this as well. I already have the skill to uh, code new weapons and everything like that. Make, well, I didn't make any sprites, but I basically uh, got some of the sprites, well, basically all of the sprites from Realm 667. And uh, used those. I added starting weapons, so I replaced first the pistol with a, I believe it was the Yellow Boy, Winchester Yellow Boy. It was more of a sniping variation of the shotgun. And then, uh, then it was the machine gun, and uh, then I just started adding weapons. I mean, I, I even brought back the uh, barrage launcher or the triple barreled rocket launcher and the plasma machine gun or the double barreled plasma gun from Cataclysm. Those were first in Cataclysm that I just brought them back to Insanity Deathmatch. And it started to be a hell of a mess. And I even, <laughs> I had so many weapons that I couldn't like replace um, enough actors on the map with it. I, I replaced some of the power-ups 
uh, to have like uh, weapons in place of them. For example, the invisi invisibility power-up was replaced by the uh, plasma machine gun and so on. But then I discovered that I could uh, do like random spawners for weapons and that's exactly what they did. For each match, it just randomized the uh, the weapon spawns and I could add way more weapons than I could have just imagined. So basically what Insanity Deathmatch is, uh, and I later on did the same with power-ups, I just like added random uh, power-up spawners and tons of new power-ups and everything like that. Ammo is also a bit different now, it's just like all random spawns. It's just a, an RNG fest, but it's obviously for, for that reason, it's just supposed to be like a, uh, a hell of a lot of fun instead of like a more competitive style thing. Yeah. I would describe it to uh, people, if listeners out there who are well-versed in Doom, the Doom modding scene. Yeah. It's like um, if Russian Overkill were multiplayer, like <laughs> PvP multiplayer. Like, and right. actually, yeah. Russian Overkill has... We'll circle around. Yeah. Russian Overkill is my favorite like gameplay mod because it's just pure bliss I, i've yes <laughs> i've played, played doom for myself. different reasons yeah people play doom for different reasons and some people like want you know like the 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 challenge and i want to feel like a fucking god i want to just <laughs> obliterate everything in my path and that's what russian kill russian overkill is all about uh, and you actually turned me on to russian overkill because yeah. the last time you were on the show i asked you like what was your favorite doom mod and you were like uh russian overkill yeah and I was like, what is that? And I went and uh, I actually spent, I mean, I don't know how long ago this was, but I spent that Christmas. I, I had Eternity <laughs> and uh, Russian Overkill. I was on duty uh, for Christmas, but, uh, you know, like overnight too. And, yeah. you know, so I wasn't going to be hanging out with my wife or anything. And I just decided, you know what? Fuck it. Uh, I'm going to bring my laptop to work because we're not going to do anything. Like there's nothing to do on Christmas. You should just fucking be there. And I played Eternity with Russian Overkill all night long, and that was like one of the best uh, Christmases. <laughs> Thanks to you, brother. Well, I've, don't mention it seriously, but like <laughs> the, the the thing in Insanity Deathmatch, though, it's still it's it's mm. somewhat balanced. I mean, it's still very fast paced because of all the crazy weapons. Even the rocket launchers just now a bit different, but like it's still very yeah. very fast and deals a hell of a lot of damage. But like. In any case, it's still somewhat balanced, so it isn't like Russian overkill uh, bunkers type type of balanced. It's still, it's still somewhat playable, at least. So it's yeah, but it's supposed to be like because of the randomness reason. It's just supposed to be a hell of a lot of fun instead. I uh, would like to kind of make a, the comment that you've already mentioned this a bit. It's not. The Insanity Deathmatch is not like a competitive mod, right? It's not like something no. that you're gonna like have a tournament on. It's just about like having fun with your friends, exactly. Right? Like just, just you know, let's just get in here and do some stupid yeah, free shit. for all. Grab a gun, don't don't care what it does, just fire it, and you'll just obliterate your enemies with it. But one of the things uh, that I kind of take away from it, and just seeing you kind of grow as a, a, a little person, <laughs> is, <laughs> is that a uh, You've you've literally gone from uh, esports commentator to developer. Like you've you've fallen so much in love with the the idea of like what this whole thing is that you just yeah. dove right in. And and the last time that we like had a public conversation, you you were kind of leaning toward 
like I, I don't really know what I want to do kind of thing. Yeah. And, and you've, you've kind of started it at least to experiment with, Oh, how can I contribute? And I have the same instinct. Like I, uh, I just talk about games all day <laughs> and I play games and I almost get less pleasure out of just playing a game than I do out of being part of the, the creation of one. Yeah. And I, I don't know where that's going to take me necessarily, but I do, I, I understand like the arc, the instinct to like want to be part of the process of like, how do you do that? And once you start into it and I, I can get this from a lot of people, like I know a lot of developers who are like, I don't even play games anymore. I just yeah, yeah. want to make them. Um, and it, it's hard to find that balance. Like bridge burners done a really good job of, he's like the most disciplined person I know. Like he, he'll, somehow he'll he'll like schedule out his stream schedule to be like okay on these days i'm developing age of hell and on these days i'm going to play through every mod that you know that people request that yeah, i play through yeah. and then on sundays he's just like we're, we're just gonna fuck around and do crazy shit all day uh with like the whole group and i don't have that like i don't have that privilege of just uh, no, no shit on you, bridge burner. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't have like a regular schedule like that, so I can't really map it out in such a way, but just like finding the time. And as you were saying earlier with your balancing your studies with yeah. your creative side and everything, finding a, a way to um, channel your creativity and, and spend some time doing that without it overrunning your life. Like how, how do you, how do you manage that at this point? Oh, well, that's, that's seriously very difficult though. But like, um, mm-hmm. well, let's just say like, I, I hate like procrastinating even studies, but like I do still do that quite, I did that already in high school and I feel like I'm still doing that even now, but like, um, what I just need is some, uh, some discipline for my studies. But like with that also, like with that sort of a weekend discipline, I, I do find some kind of, uh, time for myself i mean during weekends i i I have decided that i just don't study any anything like on weekends except friday of course but like uh, saturday and sunday will be just primarily just either for well sunday is what we call here in finland just like that the holy day at least the the resting day but but saturday like uh, from here onwards i mean even today like this is saturday even today but like i had a uh, diabolical cup to uh, to commentate and I, I just somehow find the time. I don't know. So like when I am done with studies, it's like, okay, well, now I can do something else. But, but like it, there is still a lot in the studies. So I just like have little to no time whatsoever to do anything else during the day, at least. Even straight. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like I have two lives. Like I feel like there's yeah. the me that shows up to work. And then there's the other me who does another, you know, like equivalent amount of time with in the keep and everything that goes on here. And it's, I, I have no idea how to explain it to people. I, I listen to, uh, I listen to Joe Rogan a lot and people will ask him like, how do you find the time to be a comedian and a hunter mm. and a, uh, you know, a, an MMA commentator and, you know, a podcaster and he's a, a tremendous output too. It's not like he's a yeah. podcaster like me who does an hour, you know, t- two to three hours a week as a podcaster. It's like he, he does 
at least three episodes a week that are all like three hours long, if yeah. not more, you know, with a vacation here and there. And like, how do you find the time? And he's just like, I uh, will go fucking insane if I don't have something to work on all the time. And I think that you and I are very similar in that case. Because uh, I, I have no idle time. It, it is very mm. rare that I just sit around doing – I mean, like my, my comfort time is like before bed I watch Star Trek. Yeah. I drink a few drink a few beers or a, a couple of glasses and I just watch Star Trek and I pass the fuck out. And like if if even that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but otherwise I work all the time and yeah. I and I don't want to be doing anything other than working on the this stuff. I, I wanna be at every organ grinder doing commentary. I wanna be producing every podcast I can. I wanna be interviewing all the people that I find interesting, including yourself. Uh by the way, you will be immediately uh, after David Szymanski. So, like, oh, <laughs> it's gonna I'll be, be really dead. cool. Yeah, it's it's fun, man. It's I literally don't, and I have a wife too. You don't even have a fucking oh, wife. Oh yeah, anymore. yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I still live with so, my parents too. It's like it's way more easier. They I'm a good husband too. too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like when I'm only twenty. I'm, I'm turning twenty-one in the twenty-seven, so I'll be damned. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Like the the output of work that you have is is tremendous. Mm. So, um, so with your esports commentary stuff, if I remember correctly, you kind of were originally kind of deeply in the uh, the Quake Cafe community. But like, how did you yeah. really get into all that stuff? Well. Um- well, first of all, when I started Quake Cham- uh, playing Quake Champions in uh, June 2017 during the closed beta, I, I mostly played, and I played basically every game mode that was available, but I mostly played the old round-based duel. And mm-hmm. uh, this was around the time when BJ Blazkowicz was released as a new champion in the game. And back then he was like so OP with that dual-wielding ability that dual LGs basically just was literally double the rate of fire. But... In any case, I, because of that, I, I played Duel a lot, and I just always chose BJ Blazkowicz as my first champion, just like won every single round with him. Apart from the, the opposing player, if he was a veteran and he chose BJ Blazkowicz, I'd just get decimated. But like basically, <laughs> later on, I um, in uh, well, I bought the game in uh, 20, August 2017 when it was in early access, and uh, that was two weeks after the game had actually launched on Steam in early mm-hmm. access. But... I just I continued playing in duels. I sort of watched uh, the official live streams of Quake, but nothing else. I had basically not yet known the community of Quake as a whole in 2017 uh, yet. But in 2018, uh, during spring and summer, I believe, I uh, attended in a couple community tournaments held by the Noobs Anonymous community. And mm-hmm. uh, that was a community that helped and supported newcomers in Quake Champions, to settle in the game, basically. Learn all the champions and all the weapons, the basics of the game, before they could actually just rank up in the duels, for instance. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, not to, like, toot my own horn here, but... So, I, I came around into the Quake Champions community right around the same time you did. And, uh... Right. I got involved in uh, really, honestly, I learned the game from slip. Uh, I don't know if you remember slip, but him and uh, unkind 
had the, the Quake uh, sorry, fuck. No disrespect to Dump Truck. The Quake cast is a different thing. The State <laughs> of Quake podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's how I ended up getting into podcasting too. Yeah. But I got into shoutcasting because I was so like into their community and everything. And I, I learned a lot uh, about Quake specifically from being around those guys. But the community was very um, divided. Like they're not divided yeah. because anybody had any particular ideology, but because they're the game Quake Champions did not have a lot of uh, like a centralized like everybody meet up here. There was like the the NA and the EU Quake Discord, and then there was the official Quake Discord. But it was just like that wasn't the way to find pickup games. So in yeah. the keep actually started as a like well me and my buddies like uh, me and I Kill Pigeons and Steven uh, at the time were like trying to figure out like how can we get more pickup games like i don't want to be up at midnight and not be able to find a game to play so in the yeah. keep was like a pickup game community for quake champions we're like how you know like i'll ping someone and see what happens and it grew from there and i had that idea i don't remember if you remember um when this happened but i was like well what if we just reach out to every other little like and it was with quake cafe it was with state of quake it was with uh ultra violence um and a lot of other people but what if we just all link our discords? Like what if we'd have yeah. like the community links uh, part of our discords and we say like, well, here are other places where you can communicate with other people who play the same game. And that was like so important at the time because it, it, I'm not saying it was like, oh, it was all my idea. I did a good thing because ultimately it didn't really amount to much, mm. but uh, so there were some other ones. There was like the the Quake Crew with uh Killer Duke and Killer Nukem. Oh yeah, yeah. Those guys. I st- uh, Killer Nukem still pops in the Discord all the time. Just to say, hey. <laughs> but and and we had like the um, <laughs> we had let's do a clan war. So we like put up uh, in the keeps team versus <laughs> versus the Quake Crew team. Oh god. And we had like this giant fucking like all right well you guys come up with a 2v2 team and a ctf team and a duel like two or three different duelers from like you you get a gold dueler a diamond dueler <laughs> and a platinum dueler and it, it was like this whole fucking like ginormous warfare type situation <laughs> did. and it ended at the end of the night i think they said fuck you like you guys <laughs> we're, we're not interested anymore <laughs> like it, it was just a clusterfuck but it was so much fun and my whole goal at the time was just like, I just want to bring as many people playing this game together as humanly possible. Mm. And that was even before the Quake Pro League, like proper that we have now yeah. came together. Um, and, and, you know, now it's just like 40 lines every day making a fucking bankroll. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, th- those were like still during the Quake Open League times. And I, I basically yeah. have some of the, the things about that as well in this document I just have here. But uh, that's what I wanted to get at was that yeah. you were, you were commentating on doing commentary before there was a Quake, a Quake Pro League on the Quake Pro League. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not exactly the Pro League, but the Challenger division. But yeah. 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 But, uh, during the time I just like played a lot of duels and everything like that, I, I got more and more interested in how the the game actually just works. Not only like the basics, but like how uh, different champions just work, what what their top speed is, for instance, or like what the exact damage Scalebearer does on the full freaking throttle 
bull rush ability and so on. It's like these, there's very small nitty gritty stuff. I got very interested. I got so much knowledge out of it, even more than the basic knowledge that I, uh, later on in fall 2018, I attended in the, uh, the Finnish dual tournament. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I heard in the Arena FPS Finland Discord that they're arranging uh, dual tournaments in Quake Champions, I immediately got interested. Like, holy hell, I gotta attend this! And uh, I attended the first two, and in the first one, I I believe I won two games. It was a double, a double elimination game uh, or tournament, so I lost the uh, the rest two after those two wins. But I even got the uh, the privilege to uh, be in the casters' voice chat because, like, they were. It was still like very unprofessional stuff that they were just doing, but like just hooling around. It was nothing like too serious, but they were just testing things out because that was their first tournament too. And uh, I joined the caster's voice chat and I was still, I wasn't like shout casting or anything. I was still more of an, an analyzing caster. I even had like a notebook just like writing things down about different players, just like their pros and cons and how well they controlled the map versus and so on. So I, be- so I began done that once <laughs> yeah I just, I just try to remember everything yeah but i i began as a more of an analyzing commentator and that was in finnish too i i didn't like commentate in english at first mm-hmm. but uh later on uh with all the knowledge i had the uh the main casters that were just first chosen to be the the casters for the tournaments were actually very intrigued and impressed how much knowledge i actually had of the game already more than the basic knowledge and, uh, and who, who were, was there anybody of note in that um, kind of group of people that you learned from or? Uh, well, basically, I, well, I don't know. I, don't, I studied like pretty much all of them myself. There's Cybrix who I did some myth busting with in Quake. Basically, I, I went into a custom lobby with him and just like uh, tried working things out. Like, for example, that the noise of the weapons different weapon skins and stuff like that we even did like a reddit post of that at one point but after after that even we we haven't like uh, i mean we, we're still like we have chatted ever since so, like we're still very good friends but we haven't done anything in quake just recently mm-hmm. but uh basically the uh, the first finished dual tourney uh when i was in the casters voice chat the the casters were very impressed actually of how much knowledge i had of the game and then uh Laggy Luke, the arranger of the Finnish Dual Cups at the time in fall 2018, he uh, told me that I could be a very good uh, amateur commentator in the EU Community Cups in Quake. And so he offered me a place in the Battlefly Quake Community uh, tournaments. And I had to uh, contact Feral, who was the organizer for those tournaments, and he welcomed me as a streamer because their uh, former streamer, Flea, I don't know if you know him, Oh yeah! Oh yeah! You do, yeah. <laughs> of course. Well, Basically, he is so he's adorable. He, he's he is, so- yeah. But he he uh, was the former commentator for those games, and uh, I was there to replace him for like the ongoing month or month and a half. And uh, from October 2018 to mid-November 2018, I did several tournaments uh, once a week. For them, I did two v two tournies. I did dual tourneys uh, for mainly EU, not NA as much. I probably did one NA cup, but like perhaps maybe seven EU cups. I I regret that I have not been very successful at getting a lot of those guys on the show yet. Mm. I, I I intend to fully. 
Um, but like Zoot and Flea and all the all those EU like great Quake sportscaster guys, like I I have a tremendous amount of respect for them. Like I you know I've I've been to physical real ass QuakeCon once uh, before the pandemic shut yeah shut everything down. Yeah. And and since then I've been pretty pretty active. Uh, we had like last year we had the uh, the Doom tournaments the the King Dime put on uh, for the QuakeCon at home events and everything. Yeah. And I I got the chance to be part of the the Doom stuff for that. But I I would very much like to interview uh, Zoot and Flea at some point just to really kind of get into what their journey was because. I mean, we, we all see them on, you know, the, the, the major Quake Pro League streams and everything, but, like, I don't know what their backgrounds are. Like, I don't know how they got to the point they were at. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been lucky, and uh, Forty will eventually give in and be on the show. He's He's been very elusive, but and I have a pretty good relationship with uh, him and uh, Jahar and, like, the, the North American scene. But I, I'm just disappointed that I haven't gotten a chance to really – figure out everybody else because it's such a, it's a special group of people. I mean, yourself included. Yeah. Um, who are, who, who love the game so much that they put in the time to gain the audience, to become part of that group, that, that kind of elite small group of people who were the community. It's hard to really like explain to people who, because people kind of take shoutcasters for granted and I'm not saying me, I, yeah. I don't feel this way about me personally or anything, but like it, it's a skill and it takes a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of <laughs> studying to be good at. And I'm not saying I'm even good at it. I just kind of, I just kind of show up and drink a beer and start saying whatever, whatever's on my head. <laughs> so I'm like the, I'm the least, least professional shoutcaster there is, but I have a, a lot of respect for the people who are truly, truly good at it. Like Halo Lagan, uh, like CXT, oh, yes, yeah. you know, like those guys are just professionals. Like Halo Lagan is probably the best like commentator of Quake who's not a famous Quake caster that there is. You're pretty much right. I, I've commented a couple tournaments with him, not only in Quake, but also in Diabolical. And he, he just like, he has so much analysis and so much experience with the players as well that he just like, puts me down into saying like, what the hell am I supposed to say next? <laughs> it's like, mm. it's yeah. It's I remember just the like f- giving perfect analysis of the players and like doing magnificent shoutcasting and everything. Yeah. He's a very good commentator. The first time that I, I, I can say this about Halo and also Jahar. Uh, I, I did a lot of stuff with Halo for state of quake, which was like, I felt like a total boy. Like I felt like a boy in a man's <laughs> world kind of thing. But uh, for the, it was a couple of years ago, the pigeon classic, we had the, the quake world match, you know, like between uh, Loctar and BPS. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. All time, all time favorite quake players. There's, yes. I love, I love you, Rafa. I love you, Saigib. I love you. Like all, everybody <laughs> who's a great quake player, but to me, there are no two greater greats than BPS and Loktar, uh, who are in your neighboring country of Sweden. And just Jahar being in the same chat as you doing commentary on Quake World is a different fucking level. <laughs> I, I feel like a little tiny boy. <laughs> we're, we're in fucking overalls <laughs> next to a grown ass man. 
you're very much uh, true. It's like Quake World is a totally different game, anyways. Like it's much yeah. more fast paced, so the commenting in any case has has to be like a bit different because you're not keeping up with every single fight, right? Because in Quake Champions is such a it's an esport, right? It, it's, it is it's yeah. a game with proper spectating tools and like it was intended to be done yeah. this way. Quake World is like cutthroat death immediately like just try to keep up kind of shit and jahar is a professional right like he's just the best of the best as far as i'm concerned and i f- i felt so stupid and, and for the whole time until we got to like uh blood run and then i'm like okay i'm really i know blood run like if there's one <laughs> yeah. thing i know if there's one thing i know it's not i don't understand my wife i don't understand anything i don't understand chess i don't understand world politics i definitely get blood run and then, then i like okay I, I can contribute i don't feel like such an idiot anyway yeah. back to you no no it's good you mentioned that yeah but they're they're two different very different two different games but uh, uh-huh. but where was i anyway oh yeah so i commentated like in battlefy up until mid-november yeah. and it was mm-hmm. then I uh, when I heard that Quake Open League were actually looking for uh, amateur casters for challenger uh, streams and uh, tournaments. So I uh, I signed up. I put a signed up, which was also seen up uh, by Zoot, and he contacted me uh, personally, basically on Discord, and he uh, said that uh, just like uh, he he saw my Battlefy Quake tournament castings already, and he he said that i had done a marvelous job in battlefy already and he had uh mm-hmm. high hopes just pushing me forward in the higher ranks even in up to the pro ranks depending how things would go internally in the pro uh, sorry open league well you can probably guess that the the things didn't go internally too well because like it was less than a month i believe when quake pro uh, open league went just suddenly on a nine month hiatus and uh but in any case, I'll get to that. But I, I still commentated stuff in uh, Quake Open League. I, I commentated like many uh, tournaments with uh, my future casting partner, Taka, as well as uh, Plague TV, the American streamer. But with him, I mostly commentated and streamed the uh, NA side. And with Taka, I was just like commentating the European side. But uh, basically, it was only that short season it was only like a month long season during december and uh mm-hmm. after that season we had heard nothing not even from open league or not even from the developers of any new, new official esport news and uh i didn't commentate for like two months after that or three months i should say maybe yeah it uh it got to a point where in uh, i guess this is the dark side of the conversation Quake Champions went to. I'm not gonna say the game itself went downhill, but like the no, the but, support from Bethesda, did, yeah, in fact, and um, we were all kind of left with our dicks in our hands. Kind of, um, uh, me and Slip and Unkind were like, uh, "Well, what do we do now?" Mm. And Diabolical was kind of on the uh, horizon still. It wasn't like uh, this thing we could hold in our hands and really feel. I, uh, I don't know what to say about that other than, th- than to say that like uh, the, the corporate powers that be 
did what they did. And we had to resort to strictly just the, the community running everything, which is when state of quake had its kind of best run. And we had a uh, quake cafe was really bouncing. Yeah. And it was just totally left up to the community, which is what traditionally <clears throat> has always happened with quake. It's like, you know, like there, there's a time when it's the hot new pretty thing. And then it, in an, all right, we're turning it over to the community. Yeah. Um, but that didn't really happen this time with Quake Champions. It, and, and it was never going to happen because the game itself does not lend itself to uh, people tweaking it. You know, you, you can't mod it. You can't do much of anything with it. So uh, we, we know Sync Error is working his ass off. I have nothing, nothing but respect for Sync Error. Yeah, he is doing uh, a tremendous job on the game. Seriously. To say that out loud. Yeah. He single-handedly as far as I understand it, like with a small, small, like budget group of individuals are keeping quake champions alive because he believes in, it and he's been involved with it since uh, forever, like quake live days. I, I want to say, and what are, what do we do? So it, it's, it was, and still is kind of just totally in the community's hands. Like if this game is going to survive, it needs to be like grassroots kind of thing. And that's where you came in. You were like, uh, "Yeah, what do I do?" Yeah, exactly. But, but basically, in because uh, you know, I didn't commentate for like two months, mm-hmm. uh, there was this player in the arena FPS community, not only in Quake community, but in the arena FPS community called Champ, who uh, established Rocket Jump Zone in January 2019. And first, he did like two tournaments in Zonotic. He sort of kind of wanted to experiment. Uh, tournaments in Zonotic with that as well but f- uh, then onwards in March 2019 he uh, wanted to uh, do like uh, tournaments in Quake Champions and as well as in Diabotical when it releases mm-hmm. and uh, me and Taka my former casting partner joined uh, both joined in as the main casters for the Quake tournaments and uh, for a while there was actually nothing else but Quake for the year because like the uh, Official esports news were still to come from the developers, so we heard nothing from them for a while. And that was yeah. when the you said it yourself. That was when the community started it, its uprising. Basically, <laughs> it's like we want some esports news, and uh, the pro players especially weren't very happy with that. So they just started to compete and just keep up their skill in the community tournaments as well. Yeah, and and <clears throat> I, I should say just to kind of keep a timeline apparent here to listeners. Uh, we started off in like early 2018, late 2017 with you and I kind of becoming part of the community. And then yeah. now where we're talking about is like, uh, we'll say summer of 2019 is when the last great QuakeCon, ex- you know, happened. And yeah. uh, that was when the Quake Pro League was off to a, a really nice start. But where we're at is like a, you know, QuakeCon that year was, uh, you know, the, the Quake Pro League itself tournaments going on. And then it was really a QuakeCon, as far as I understand it, it was State of Quake who held it together. And we did the, uh, f- fuck, what were we doing? Slipgate tournaments. I, uh, I think I showed up uh, a little bit wasted to try to do commentary for one of them. And we couldn't even get the commentary <laughs> to work because somebody's computer melted and they were doing oh, it on God. my PC and OBS was all fucked up. And like, we, we just had a, 
we had a ton because I had a, I think it was OD. Uh, they, you know, they had, if you've ever been to QuakeCon, folks out there listening, they have like a <clears throat> 2019, they had a, like a pit area where it was like, you could go sit there up front and watch the commentators. And then you had the pro league going on to the, you know, right over a, a barrier and everything. Yeah. But uh, I had gone up and talked to OD and I, I was under the impression that they were going to let us like, they were going to let state of quake, you know, kind of broadcast it from that perspective. And it didn't end up that way. It was like all BYOC kind of situation, uh, bring your own computer yeah. area situation. And um, it just didn't work out the way it, we wanted it to, but that was the, you know, the community's contribution or as, as good as we could do for the game at the time. And, I will say it was a bit, I'm not blaming anybody that I've mentioned so far or anything like that, but it's just like a, the, the lack of uh, attention that the company pays to the people who are keeping their game alive mm. uh, was disheartening uh, to a lot of people. And there have been only a select few who have kind of gone on to be part of what they've established now as opposed to what the, the efforts that were being put forward by the people who really, really, truly love the game that were trying to help out. Uh, so there, there was like a, an input to outsource uh, discrepancy here. It's like the, the amount of effort being put in is not um, resulting in an equivalent or better um, output from... yeah from you know where it's being put into and that became uh at least for me a uh a, a kind of call to reconsider how much effort i'm going to put into this and uh, i'm not sure if you had the same experience i'm actually curious you know where, where you're at with that well <clears throat> basically what my view was like at the time uh let's see I like that this became an FPS historian episode. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. This is totally about me. Not only about like goals of FPS or anything like that, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, even before QuakeCon 2019, uh, I like that the basically the whole community. I mean, I, I, I'm sure State of Quake had a lot to do with just like keeping up the uh, the community, at least in the NA side, very much alive. Yeah, yeah. But like uh, in EU also, we had like a, an uprising of community tournament of ragers for instance like well rocket jump zone is where i commentated and streamed the, the games yeah. and then we had vea who uh, was the former sort of co-caster in the noobs anonymous community uh she did tournaments uh on her own basically i i can't remember what they're called actually it was like battle of unicorns that's what it was <laughs> and then uh then there was i believe rob corv and peng artist and their friends, I cannot remember all of their names, but uh, they started doing the Fragfest uh, Cup every Friday, which is still even going on every every Friday, basically. And uh, <clears throat> here in the EU, we actually had like so many, and well, even in the NA, we had uh, so much, uh, so many uh, different community tournaments just like rise up and suddenly just like uh, go from the shadows because like there's no, there was no uh, official esport news. And uh, so the community had to answer to that. And uh, especially with the pro players uh, just uh, still having nothing else around, 
uh, we even had like agent Razy um, NSE, although, well, he's a high rank player. I would say he's still on a professional level, but like uh, base and stuff like that. We had all of those players and I even uh, interviewed most of them myself after each journey, if they just had time. It's, um, I don't know. It's been a weird journey, man. It has. Yeah. Like, I didn't mean to spend the whole time talking about Quake Champions, but it was just like such an important part of why I'm here right now speaking yeah. that it's hard to not acknowledge it in some way. And you're what, like one of the best people I know to actually talk about it with. So, But but I do like to think, if I may go back to Quake Open League, if yeah. the Open League didn't go defunct, uh, because Sue said himself that I would have uh, been in the higher ranks as well, in the future maybe at this point if the open league would exist even to this date i would be like a professional commentator i don't know it may be but but yeah. things didn't go well internally so openly it went down and we got no official esports news for the nine months time but it, it was nevertheless still a highlight that whole nine months that we didn't get any official news because i got to meet so many great people in the the whole quake community commentating and streaming their tournaments and just like meeting so many great people. Yeah. So then we fast forward to late 2019, early 2020 and diabolical does come out and you've uh, since been doing some stuff for them, but like, I'm curious, like what, what's been your experience with diabolical? What's your opinions and ins and outs? Well, it's changed like basically over the last two years i'm i'm very sure i mean they even in dual they even like sort of removed the grenade launcher but added it later on in the uh, rocket launcher as a secondary fire option but uh <clears throat> let's see i haven't like recently played much diabolical myself i commentated the diabolical tourney uh, dual tourney in egg wp uh, today mm-hmm. and uh it's still like fascinating to see like how much dedication goes into this like competing in dual and other like competitive game modes but like sadly the uh, if you're just trying to find a game inside it it's just not gonna not gonna happen too soon at least there's not not many people playing it sadly i feel like it's at the same sort of state as well not exactly the same as quake life quake life still has like numerous amount of people playing on the servers but like what quake champions probably was during the early uh, well not early access but like the close beta period I, I still sort of struggle fighting a game sometimes myself in duel in the European servers, but yeah, there were still like quite such as in Quake, like there were still like many dedicated people just like contributing to duel and stuff like that competitively. I, uh, I like diabolical. I think there's a lot of really yeah. good things going on with diabolical. I'm happy to support it as much as I can. Uh, obviously, in the keep has had a lot of success with the uh, the Zen Sports Diabolical tournaments and uh, shopping out Halo and Gelmo and all those guys like doing really really great things for the uh, production end of things. But um, from from just a strict gameplay standpoint, I liked Diabolical when <laughs> I uh, had no transition from Quake to Diabolical. Right, like, it was oh. just like. Oh, I'm just playing Quake, uh, but it's called Diabolical. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, now that they, they've done a lot, and I'm not saying it's for better or worse. It's just my personal preference is different than like what's good for the game. 
Uh, I've never been an Unreal guy. I don't like secondary fire in a multiplayer game. That's just me. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just like from a how much time am I going to spend playing a game standpoint, uh, currently for Diabotical, not a whole lot. And that's okay. Um, I'm far more interested in Warfork. I'm not saying it's going to be like big and like have a pro league or anything. I'm just like in terms of what I like to play from a multiplayer PvP standpoint, Diabotical currently is not it for me. But I will say that the the community seems to have had it had a moment of like yeah everybody's super stoked and then kind of yeah all right let's settle down a bit and like go into the lull period and i'm not sure where we go from here um so where where are you at what are you doing and how are you uh responding and feeling about what's going on right now well diabolical or just you could say in general i was specifically asking about diabolical but if you have more to say then just say it man well uh, let's see. Well, in arena FPS in general, how would I say? Well, I, I, well to me, Diabotico is it's fine with just secondary fires. Although I, I feel like it feels like too much, uh, like uh, what is it, Unreal Tournament, which also had those secondary fires. I mean, some of the weapons don't actually, but like the rocket launcher is exactly the same as the uh, <coughs> the rocket launcher in Unreal Tournament, and the uh, uh, what else? The the, the void cannon. Nowadays, it's exactly the same as the shock rifle in Unreal Tournament. But I, I still feel fun. I feel like that's a very prominent part of like arena shooters in general. It just like blends in the movement of Quake and the a little bit of the combat of Quake and Unreal Tournament. I'll, I'll say this. I thought that Diabotical was just simply going to replace Quake. Yeah, but, know, well, like, yeah, yeah, me too, actually, yeah. And... I think what we've gotten is, and I, I would love to talk to anybody on the Diabotical dev team. I have invited two good multiple times to be on the show, and you are always welcome. Um, but I will say from my standpoint that the game lacks an identity, right? Like, So yeah. when, when I say Quake, that means a lot to a lot of people. When I say Doom, that means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. When I say, I don't know, uh, Castlevania, like... These are just to just to shoot you know way way off course of what I was just saying, yeah. but like there's a brand here. There's like a feeling that is invoked by me saying that. And Diabotical seems to have fallen into this sort of place where it's you know it's trying to be Quake, it's trying to be unreal, it's trying to be the arena FPS that kills all arena FPSs, and by doing so, it seems to have not become Diabotical, right? Like yeah. this game that's like special and unique in its own way uh, that all of the other games that I just named have in common. Dark Souls. Uh, yeah, I can <laughs> you know, name, name any franchise that has stood the test of time. Um, Diabotical, unfortunately, does not seem to have really... I, I can't say it hasn't been successful. Like, it hasn't established itself in a way that sets it apart from anything else. It's just mm. trying to be a an arena FPS that all people who play arena FPS can find some common ground in. And while that's a, that, that can be a good thing. It, it can also be a, 
an opacity, a, a uh, dilution of a greater vision. And I and I worry, like, are they trying to bend to accommodate too much, or like? And I don't know. I, I'm I'm happy that I'm not in the position they're in, making the decisions they're making. Yeah. Yeah, it's very difficult. It's, it, it, you're very much real, right that it does like lack some identity. But it was like first supposed to be like uh, the next generation of arena FPS, and suddenly it just like a ver- it was very ambitious, just like pushing arena FPS back to popularity. But it's difficult to say like uh, what it needs to be exactly. Because well, it does have the movement of quick, but it also like has the uh, the melange and mismatch things in uh, Unreal Tournament and Quake as well. It's just very very difficult where it's just supposed to be. But I like I don't know. I haven't like played Dabrakul myself too much, but. Um, It's just like uh, one of the reasons that uh, because Quake or Quake Champion specifically is just more popular in esports. I've actually just done more tournaments there as well, and stuff yeah. like that. Are still very very good to see like dedicated people in it. But like they they somehow understand like uh, if the Butterfly just has some kind of an identity or not. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, I thought that Wipeout was going to be the fucking thing. Like oh yeah yeah. Love and I I'm weirded out by the fact that it's not become like awesome like it, it, I, I figured wipeout would be on par with uh i don't know like bomb you know bomb mode and or, or whatever in uh csgo not that i thought that diabolical was going to be as big as csgo but like i thought people would gravitate <clears throat> towards it in the same way yeah. Uh, in Warfork, we uh, Gelmosan actually sort of like made a, a mode called uh, Freeze Tag Arena, which is essentially like Freeze Tag plus Clan Arena, oh. and it solved a lot of the issues that we had with Diabotical's Wipeout mode. In that uh, Wipeout, it, it, for people who are listening who are not super familiar, is like a uh, clan arena but instead of you know you're dead and that's just it and you wait until the next person you know like till the mode's over or till the game's over you uh respawn and you each time you die you take a little bit longer to respond so the goal is not to kill everybody on the team it's to have everyone on the other team dead at the same time um but that leads to you sort of playing passively right so you get these situations where it's just like uh you just run away, no problem. Freeze tag, um, for anyone who's ever played freeze tag, we all know that the point is to you freeze your opponent and then the other team members of that op- of that that team have to come and uh, unfreeze you, right? Yeah. So the, the problem that is solved here by freeze tag arena is that you don't, you're never allowed to just run away. You have to engage. So like, and your opponents always know where you're going to come because they know where your frozen team members are. So they're going to wait by them and you end up with really interesting combat scenarios. And I'm, I'm hoping that um, if there can be a league or something established for Warfork, that, that, that I think that game mode would be the ultimate, like dual, obviously dual is always going to yeah. be there, but like as far as team modes go, because it's very hard to find like a really, uh, active and fun team uh, thing for for arena FPS. 
I think that would be the one that was like, this could be truly special. I don't know if it will be, but I've very much, that's one of the few modes that like, I just fuck. Yeah. I just enjoy this. This is fun. Like I'm, I'm, I'm here all the way. Fork Friday comes around. If I'm not at work that night, which is usually the case, then I'm, I'm going to hop in there and I'll have some, some just solid, good fun. Uh, I'm not even interested in clan arena anymore because I love freestyle <laughs> so much. Yeah. Um, what were the other notes? You you said you brought a whole book of notes. Like what? what yeah, yeah. Um, we well, have just, all night. Yeah, yeah. Well, how long? Basically, I uh, I don't have much of the the casting career anymore. I believe. I mean, mm-hmm. I during the whole 2019 year, that was a. I already said that it was a hell of a highlight for me because like. Uh, we got no official esport news, and uh, we had a lot of pro players. We had a, a lot of tournaments arranged almost every week, and I attended almost every single one. But I also did a uh, a tournament in Helsinki, the capital of Finland, basically, and uh, mm-hmm. it was in the gaming lounge Helsinki, Finland, where I did a tournament live, and uh, it was sort of a an imp- impromptu stream because uh, at first I thought it was going to be streamed on the the QC Finland channel on which there was the um, the first Finnish dual cups uh, streamed but uh, then I was told that they had no streamer at all and uh, they basically just thought that I would be the streamer but like I, I had no plans to like stream it I only had plans to like commentate it or be like a mm-hmm. co-caster for it so I just had to like hook up Streamlabs OBS to the uh, the very beasty streaming pc downstairs there and uh, just like commentate that in english because my channel is just mainly in english not in finnish but that was still it nevertheless just caught attention and that was still one hell of an experience just casting a uh, dual tournament live in uh, in quake champions that was fantastic meeting the players live too it was, it was just a real experience so what, what players did you meet well i don't know if you know them by name but there was dansku uh leuku mm-hmm. I don't remember anybody else. Well, the, the laggy Luke wasn't actually there. The the arranger for the tournaments, the first dual cup tournament at least. But like uh, Donsko is actually, I believe he actually uh, competes in Diabolical nowadays. But he was a former uh, Quake Champions journey, and he <laughs> we we sort of like developed a meme around him. It's, it's like. Uh, Every time he just like uh, wins, is like we're asking him in an interview, is like how did that game go? And your your own views, like how did you win this? What went so well in this game? And he always answers, "Well, it's my gaming chair. It's good. It's good." And we we just like sort of developed a meme around his gaming chair. We even put like an emote of the gaming chair on Discord and everything like that. It's like Danskun pelitoli on hyvä. Danskus gaming chair is good. Purchase that. But sadly, he didn't bring his gaming chair to the live event there. That was a different one. That was the Gaming Lounge Helsinki Finland's uh, gaming chair. That's actually, for people who have never been to a LAN before, the shittiest thing about being at a LAN is not having your own chair in your own place. <laughs> yeah. Like, but he still won about- the tournament. But yeah, it was still... Uh, I don't know if he actually just like was on a negative mood because he didn't have his own chair. But yeah, he still won it. When we think about like truly tremendous uh, esports players, right? Yeah, we we think of them as the best players, but there's a caveat to that. There are really truly wonderful, excellent players 
who are very good as long as they have their creature comforts, right? Like they yeah. have their own room, they have their own setup, their monitors, their, you know, chair <laughs> in this case. Uh, for me, it's my scarf. <laughs> like I, I love that. <laughs> it's, it's right behind me right here. Like, I, <laughs> I'll be it's dead. cold. I put it on. Um, th- there's those, those, those parts of it. But when you go to a land, Right, or it's like you know, Rafa versus uh, Saigib or some shit like that. Yeah, they're uh, they've brought their hard drive or whatever, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> and and they have their their mouse and their keyboard as they prefer it, and maybe maybe if they're really like top dollar, they brought their own fucking chair, but they're sitting on a stage or you know in a land. Uh, at some table it's not their desk it's not at the exact necessarily the right height for them yeah who who know the mouse pad every little detail matters and these players are so good that they overcome that challenge because uh you know i've seen i've seen people like ascend to the level where they're like i'm gonna go to fucking italy and play in it and then they they don't have all those little creature comforts and they don't perform at the level that they thought they were uh, Rafa has, I don't know if you remember in the uh, the the big match that he won, where he had actually he had actually like taken his ass to the East Coast so he could be closer to the server. <laughs> uh, so he's like he's like in, in an undisclosed bunker area. Oh my god! <laughs> Just for the uh, sake of the, better connection, I'll be damned. And wins the whole tournament. And yeah. Yeah, that's that's the craziness that these individuals are willing to go to to be the true greats. It's not just as simple as like being really good at Quake at your house in in, in your little office area where you have your desk and your computer set up. It's like really going the extra mile to be a, quote, cyber athlete or whatever. Um, So – I want to keep the conversation open to like, if you have other notes that you'd like to tackle, then please go ahead. But um, I I can keep it going. No, no, it's my own train of thought as well. So who is your uh, all time favorite quake player? Uh, Or I should say arena FPS player. It doesn't have to be. I'm still going to fall into quake because (laughs) (laughs) that's the series I know best. Not only about like history, but like and in, in any case, I just like I've played more Quake than any other just arena uh, FPS. Yeah. But I would say, uh, but well, besides Rafa, of course, but the I would say Toxic. I would probably say Toxic. Okay. So, so like he, he's, he's up, been up yeah. in the highest rank of EU players. Rafa's just been the mm-hmm. highest rank of an A players. They're just like basically almost the opposing sides of just players. Uh, yeah. It's actually weird because you, you guys, and I say you guys, I mean like Europeans, yeah, have always dominated um, Quake, and it's very satisfying for me to know that the best player is Rafa. <laughs> yeah, he's in an A. Yeah, yeah, and he lives he's in magnificent. Texas. Yeah, uh, Texas, and. I mean, there is part of me that like I don't really care who the actual like where they're from or whatever. Like I have no interest really in you know national nationalism or whatever. But yeah. um, it is satisfying to know that the best player is from America. Um, it, 
to the to the point where it were like we're in the Cold War, like Rocky Four days. Yeah, uh, it would be very satisfying for me to know that like, the the next World War depends on Rafa winning this great <laughs> match, kind of thing. But um, it, Toxic is your pick, like number one best of all time. Kind I would of say, yeah, at least in the EU. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I we'll we'll leave Rafa aside. <laughs> and I'll actually explore a few different games here because it's not just Quake. All right. Um, so if I were to pick a greatest Quake player of all time, uh, excluding Shane, I would, uh, I think there's a distinguish, uh, a distinguishment to be made between favorite and best, right? So there's yeah. an objective best. There's, yeah. a, there's the guy who wins all the tournaments and then there's the people who are the most fun you know, to watch or like, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, uh, devastation is always going to be like, and he's my friend too. So it's kind of hard to be impartial, but like doom Two community people know devastation. Like he, and he's just fucking tremendous, like dominated quake two for, I don't know how long now. Uh, actually there, there are other great <laughs> players, but like he, he just recently in the last organ grinder, uh, beat hatred in a, best of three he won two out of three and that was fantastic to see um diabolical uh agent i think is like leading the pack oh yeah yeah agent actually yeah. he won today's wb cup as well as last week's wb cup he's like a tremendous champion in uh, our tournaments at least in the egg well played tournament scene but yeah i, I would say he is also I would say like a Rene FPS in, uh, player in general. He's a very good and a tremendous skill player. Yeah, and that, that's a part of it too is that the, you know, being really good at one particular game or being good at, at a whole genre in general. Yeah. Like Brondo is another guy that comes to mind who was, uh, the, the he was the best and still is the best <laughs> uh, Dusk player, Dusk World player, yeah. which I mean, I understand was the most minuscule of minuscule uh, arena FPS communities, but he was so dominant at dusk and like I had to get to know him better. And I really do want to have him on the show eventually. Like he's been very elusive. Like he'll say like, yeah, I'll do it one day. And then the next day, like, uh, no, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> private guy, private guy. Yeah. But I do, I, I will say this now that he was a, uh, he was a collegiate uh, UT player too. Oh, and, so I actually got the chance to play uh, Unreal Tournament with Rondo. I think it was the, the whatever the most recent Unreal Tournament four or yeah, whatever UT four. And and first of all, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing in Unreal Tournament anyway. <laughs> but like he was just obliterating everything, and I don't I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> um, just think of some other true true fantastic greats obviously i mean my favorite quake player of all time is is loctar hands down he's just he's got everything he's got the the skills the personality the <laughs> entertainment like value when you're watching he's not like one of those players that plays passively it's just mm. all it's it's like watching a, a a fucking viking run up a beach into battle, like kind of thing. Every time he plays, like, and, and I'm just bewildered by how much spirit he puts into the game when he plays. And and I think that's even more special than just winning every tournament. I think it's having a personal connection with your audience. Really beautiful stuff, man. 
Well, my favorite in Quake World is just a native player, uh, Milton. I don't know if you know mm. him. Yeah, just right up there with Loctar, I would say. I, I'm long overdue to have Milton back, but I've yeah. had Milton is actually one of the number one get like of all the episodes of In the Keep. I had Milton on once, and it just exploded my YouTube. It, <laughs> like I was just like, how many people care about Milton? Hold, I, I, I know how many people. But all the fins here. <laughs> he's a he's a very um interesting person. He's very cerebral. Like he's very grounded. Yeah. Um as as a differentiation between like him and the Swedes, like <laughs> Loctar and BPS. And I know they all have like personal history, so I'm not gonna like try to like dig into that too much, but they've been playing quake against each other for forever. And, and I think Milton is objectively the best quake world player of all time. Uh, he's so good at duels that he doesn't even want to duel anymore. Yeah. And now he's so good at four V four that like who can even compete if he's on a team, it, he could be on a team with me and you and <laughs> probably be still be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Milton is a is a tremendous, tremendous Very player much so, and yeah. a tremendous person. Just a, is a upstanding member of the community, truly. But uh, I, I've still got to say, like Loctar is my favorite player, and and I, BPS, I love you, but you know why Loctar is my favorite player. <laughs> <laughs> but like we, it's funny because like uh, Milton is still like more of a uh, an in- introvert type compared to Loctar or even BPS because like well that's that's what we fans basically are apart from me who's just developed some kind of an accent some, some, suddenly I don't know how but like that's uh, not true uh, you're not the only one uh, my friend I think I told you about what you, you played White Hell have you played the demo at least I, I've seen it no I haven't played but I've seen it you, you need to play you need to go golds of FPS will- <laughs> next episode needs to be White Hell's <laughs> demo uh, they're your, your fellow fans there uh, but Migo Miko yeah his uh he has the same accent as you. Really? I'm not sure if it's like because you guys are from the same area, but I told him that like as soon as I start I'm, like the interview starts and I'm like, uh <laughs> Are you from like kind of southern southern part of Finland? He's like, Well, you know, kinda like that area. I'm like, You and Capelli are like have the same <laughs> accent. <laughs> and it's it's a bizarre, weird thing. I don't know. Is this- Is there is it like a differentiate like did the like Swomi versus like other members of the Finnish country, like, do you guys have a differentiation there? We 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 sort um, of do at least, not only in accents in Finnish, but also in like personalities. We I I live in the the Hame region in the southern Finland part, and mm-hmm. we're just basically sort of thought to be the more more slower and uh, <laughs> at least in our stereotype, but the more slower and just like thinking. Uh, stereotype is like we're just like pondering stuff for, for such a long time and uh stuff like that i don't know but like uh yeah and it and it also it, like when people here speak english it's like it also uh here in Hame at least it also just feels like that because they, they're just like speaking with a rally english accent like this and they pull no no emotion out of it whatsoever it's like I don't know. It, I can sort of see them, their personality, even if they they speak Finnish. Uh, sorry, English. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's a funny accent. That's yeah. all I really have to say about it. But Welcome quite to the hydraulic press, 
tremendous, like excellent. Yeah. Game. And it goes into the, the Kalevala and everything like the, the, yeah, the our, our national mythology. Epic, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I love it, man. It's probably of all the quote retro FPS games that are currently in development, like that I've played demos for. It's the one I'm most excited for. Yeah. Like I really, really love that game. Um, I can't wait to see what they do with it, man. And, uh, you also joined us for the, just the tail end of, but when we were doing the, for, we will finish it. We will have a part two, but the, the finished map jam, uh, the quake map jam, like in that, yeah, and the co-op, the co-op yeah. version. Yeah. yeah. That was so much fun. That was, I yeah. love that whole community, man. The, the quake mapping community, uh, we've mentioned dump truck earlier, I think in passing, but uh, I love QuakeCast, and I really, really love just everything that comes out of that community. Uh, Chris Holden, uh, uh, fuck, <laughs> there's so many people. Scarecrow, mm. uh, that whole group of people. Smile Scythe being my favorite Quake mapper because uh, of uh, January Jump Jam from a couple years ago. That that shit was like phenomenal, like truly fantastic. Yeah, there's there's also the Finnish Quake mapper Ziggy who developed yeah. that uh, map pack we just played in the Z- Ziggy, Smash a 2. representative, an owner of an In The Keep t-shirt yeah. out there representing. I fucking love him. <laughs> I love all those guys. Uh, New House. Like, I, I can't say that I'm like so in tune, like I know everybody, but like I just truly appreciate the passion that comes out of that community. And I, and I actually do believe this. I think that the Quake mapping community uh, is the best mapping community. Like they're the people who are making the best maps in FPS, not just yeah. from a, you know, quake or doom or whatever standpoint. Like, I think they're just, they understand mapping on a different level than everyone else does. And I think that the best, uh, people in the, you know, triple a industry, like people who are working for, uh, 3d realms now, like people, companies like that, they come from a quake background. You know, I've do, already yeah. said Scarecrow and Chris Holden, and they're they're the people who are working on Gra- uh, Graven and uh, even um, Sprawl comes from the Quake mapping community, even though it's an Unreal Four engine game now, if I remember oh. correctly. And uh, so Graven is technically an Unreal Four game, but they're making the maps in Trench Broom and porting them oh. to Unreal Four. And I am. Uh, Obviously, Wrath, Aeon of Ruin, all comes from the Quake mapping community. Yeah, sir. And that's Wrath, especially, I cannot wait for that to launch. That is, that's even like I don't know if it's like a sort sort of different version of Dark Places or stuff like that, but uh, it is a fantastic like Quake One engine game. It has like several like features, like the uh, the sort of limited amount of color palettes and stuff like that, and the. Uh, the moody and realistic tone of lighting and uh, the frigging you can actually turn the interpolation of the animations on. There is just so much like Quake One. Well, Doom Doombringer is also made in the the Dark Places engine, oh. and uh, Christus is a titan of the Doom mapping community, but like moved moved on obviously to Doombringer, and that game is tremendous as well, like it, multiplayer. Uh, like PVP and single player is just fantastic. Uh, Christus was recently on the show again, and I'm just like 
blown away every time I see anything that those guys do. Like I'm, I'd really believe that the people working in the Quake engine are the best at mapping. Yeah. Um, that's no disrespect to my friends in the Doom community, but like, you, no, they no, could learn it's a, it's a total different game yeah. in any case. But yeah, but but like they could literally like learn a thing or two out of like what what's going on in yeah. the Quake community because it, I've been saying this a long time on the show, man, to you and to many other people, like in private. But like, I think that the next big thing in boomer shooters is to just like jo- jump on the GZ Doom engine and make a fucking game because it's, yeah. you know, free open source. No one's holding it against you. Uh, there's no, Bethesda's not holding it against you. <laughs> it's, it doesn't use any doom assets if, no. if you just replace them all. Yeah. And you can, you can sell a game on steam and on GOG and all this kind of stuff with the doom engine with the, the GZ doom engine. And I think that if you were to take those principles of map design and try to apply them to that, then you, you'd be very successful. But regardless, there isn't that weird that these like 35 year old kind of engines have progressed to a point where people are making money off them in 2021. Like, yeah, what's going on here? I think, uh, heat on, right. Zan's project. He he's living off of heat on. Yeah. And it needs nothing else. It's, it's beautiful. And I, and I hope that more people jump on the bandwagon and get the money while the money's good. Yeah. It is tremendous. I mean, the, the, the I was just about to mention Hedon, but also like Age of Hell. Hopefully mm-hmm. that will. Uh, but already has the mod DP page, but hopefully that will just like uh, release on Steam as well. Just like uh, Bridgeburner and his crew are just making a tremendous job. And the map design, the, uh, the textures design, just like any anything on the GC Two engine specifically. Yeah, that is such a I mean, like a. It doesn't have many limits to it. For you would engine. be hard pressed to find a uh, bigger bridge burner fan than me. <laughs> but I, uh, I know that Age of Hell will never be a monetized oh. thing. I do think that they should put it on Steam and you know everywhere that they can for you know because you can put games on on Steam for free. Yeah, and everything. I do hope that they like reach the largest audience they can, but he has no intention of monetizing Age of Hell now. Bridgeburner is has also recently established quote Hellforge Studios, and that is the most interesting thing going on with GZ Doom that I can think of because mm. they're taking. All these different projects that are kind of similar to Age of Hell, like you know, total conversions. Yeah, and I think his intention is to monetize them and like sell them. And I know that he will, after Age of Hell, progress on and and make another game or other games that uh, utilize the engine because Bridgeburner is the best. Like, yeah, you could say. He's literally number one, numero uno, as far as Doom modding goes, uh, map maker. Yeah. And I think that he will make a lot of money over time, but Age of Hell will be free forever. And he would say that himself. So I, I, I mean, immediately when I saw Age of Hell, I was like, you're going to charge money for that, right? But there's so many people involved in it that 
the logistics of paying everyone for the work that they've done that has gone undocumented to make it is not, and I'm not going to say not possible, but incredibly unlikely. And it wouldn't yeah. be fair to anyone to charge money for it and not distribute it correctly. Uh, correctly. Sorry. But there's hope. Yeah. Yeah, there certainly is. I mean, well, with those other projects, though, I mean, knowing that they have such a, an incredible team behind them, I can already tell, like, uh, it will just like the other project, if not, if not Age of Hell, then the other projects may just be selling quite a lot because of the, the tremendous effort that already goes into Age of Hell and Major Orleans, uh, uh, what is it? Technicolor, Technicolor Antichrist. Yeah, box. I was I was about to say it wrong myself as well. It's like Ant- Antichrist like box. <laughs> but in I, any case, I say like, it wrong every opportunity. I yes, can. I was about to say it myself. It was like I'll be dead. But like the, the the people behind those are just like doing a tremendous work. Whether they just like and, be working on Age of Hell or those other projects, and I can already tell the other projects, maybe just like uh, bringing them some. Uh, some capital themselves. That is very good. And Mr. Cat too is like the oh, yes. other big yeah. contributor. Yeah. So what else is on your mind? We, we're closing in on like a, it's an hour 45 now. Yeah. What, what do you got? We got, well, we, well, I haven't I, talked about goals of FPS at all. I mean, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but that's about it. I mean, well, basically where I had my start with goals of FPS is I somehow got interested in the, uh, history of FPS through Doom because it was the first FPS I played 19 years after its release in 2012, late 2012 I should say um, but uh, I don't know where I got this is like I, I got interested in the tech it's like what makes these games run and uh, what made the games run back then as well and what what were the, uh, the, the team working on those games behind that game and that's how I sort of got my stuff with Cult of FPS. Uh, I first thought that I, I would just like collect these games and just play them on my own time, but there's so many of them that I, I can only just like play them by just like streaming them and just spending time on streams playing them through. And there I established the uh, the series, the Cult of FPS, in July 2018. And this was before I had like a hundred follows on Twitch. And I decided to continue the series when I had a hundred follows. And uh, this was also during the time where I also streamed Quake Champions and my dual tourneys. I got barely a hundred follows because of that. People were just like watching how I played. And uh, then I continued on with, uh, I mean, the first episode, the pilot episode was uh, a playthrough of the Ultimate Doom. Uh, which I played through to show how much I've studied classic FPS and how well the sort of playthrough stream format performs. And then I decided to continue the episodes once I had 100 follows on Twitch with Doom 2. And then uh, just went forward with its software series. Just, there was Ultimate Doom, Doom 2, Quake, Quake 2, Quake 3. Then there was Heretic and Hexen by Raven Software, and then Rise of the Triad and Duke Nukem 3D. Just like those uh, most influential classic FPS titles in the 90s. And that was the first season which I called a classic start. Uh, that was not only like <clears throat> those most influential classic FPS titles, that, that was also where I had my start studying the um, history of the FPS genre, but it was first classic FPS. 
And then, uh, then I just continued on in uh, early 2019. I finished the first season quite quickly because there was only a couple titles. And then uh, season two, Ideas from the Deep, you can already tell from that name that it's about its software and their legacy of the FPS games they developed. And they were basically the workers' company of the whole genre back in the well, back in the nineties, basically the whole nineties. And I started that with Wolfenstein 3D, then Spear of Destiny, the sequel to Wolfenstein 3D. Boo! <laughs> Not the expansions, however, to Spear of Destiny, because <coughs> excuse me, those are just like complete bullcrap, to say the least. Spear of Destiny sucks, <laughs> <laughs> but like. It was I, I I do have to address that these weren't only playthroughs. These were all also like uh, before I got to the game, playing the game through, I studied a little bit of its background history, and even during the playthrough, I just like studied the uh, the history throughout the uh, the whole playthrough, their levels, their level designers and programmers, and so on. And then uh, season two took pretty much six months. It had. Well, I already said Wolfenstein 3D, then Spirit of Destiny. Then I just did a playthrough of Return to Castle Wolfenstein. And then uh, I took a break with the uh, the Wolfenstein series for a while and go- went on ahead with Doom, uh, with Final Doom, TNT Evolution, and Plutonia Experiment. Uh, Experiment. And then a uh, playthrough of Doom 3, I believe. Yeah, and ex- Expansion. And uh, so I, yeah. I've got to interject here. You've got to upload this shit to YouTube. I have, I have, I have. I I already said in the uh, the first episode I did with you uh, that I had uploaded the first season, but like the f- first four seasons now are on YouTube. I, I have to address. So they're all on my YouTube channel. It's just Capelli47. You can just see the name itself on the freaking title of the YouTube or wherever you're listening to this to. But yeah, you can see my name. <coughs> Search that name on YouTube. You can find my channel. It's all there. Wonderful. Yeah. And then uh, season three, uh, it was the Cold War, which I just that's what I like to call it, the Cold War of FPS. That was the era of epic mega games and their... Uh, history with FPS. They first developed Unreal, which was meant to compete with Quake to be the first sort of fully 3D FPS game on the PC. And I, I sort of try to reflect that as the uh, the moon landing of the Cold War, the real Cold War, that is, that uh, the US was actually the first one before the Soviets on the moon landing. And uh, <clears throat> I like to reflect that the well, its software was basically US here being the first to land on the moon, developing Quake as the first fully 3D FPS game on the PC. But uh, yeah, it basically focused on uh, Unreal or its series, basically. And uh, <clears throat> I do apologize, I have to take another drink here. It's just like empty. This token is making, making me a uh, very. Uh, Dry throated. It was, it was very interesting talking to Cliffy B on his perspective of that time frame. Because yeah, I mean he was he was growing up looking at uh, Romero, right, and saying like, I, I want to be better than him. And I like your analogy that it's it's like uh, the Soviets got into space first, but then yeah. the Americans are like, well, we made it to the moon first, so we won. Like. <clears throat> 
And that's the propaganda that's kind of given yeah. to us here in a lot of ways. But I, I do feel like, I mean, well, it's software is still the first one in, well, the, the, the pseudo 3D. I mean, Wolfenstein 3D, just like making 3D games faster. That's where, well, like, uh, it's software was the first one in FPS. But uh, basically, uh, when Unreal, it actually got delayed. And so Quake, because of that, was the uh, the first uh, fully 3D FPS. <clears throat> but uh, uh, I don't know really. Uh, it actually competed more with Quake 2 than Quake 1 later on when it released. Yeah. Uh, mainly with its 3D technology, but like also with the uh, the speed of the game. I mean, Quake 2 was more of a faster game i would say than just the first unreal while unreal had the higher tech just the larger worlds the damn beautiful worlds you just love to look at with that 3d effects voodoo one and your pentium two <laughs> set up back in the day because that was marvelous to look at but quake 2 just played magnificently and fast fast is a <laughs> relative term in today's well i would say fast paced I, I didn't mean fast as in processing power or anything like that but yeah fast paced yeah well I, I mean like in like uh rocket speed and uh well <laughs> yeah well the, yeah this was only a comparison between quake 2 and unreal not quake 1 and quake 2 but yeah <laughs> it's, it's you're yeah. very much right about that though yeah but uh so yeah no, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, basically, the Cold War, or the third season, was all about epic mega games and, well, Unreal, the whole Unreal franchise. And I got a lot out of that. I even got through Unreal Tournament, and uh, I compared that to Quake 3, sort of like how Unreal Tournament was more of... Uh, it had more of the weapons or the combat gameplay than Quake 3. Quake 3 had more of the movement, even though that was only found out later on when people just found out in very late 90s to early th- 2000s that you could actually just bunny hop and strafe jump and make yourself faster with that. Well, the rocket jumping yeah, was Quake, already a thing. Quake 2 was the kind of origin of what we now call strafe jumping in Quake, you know, like the yeah. super fast-paced movement that we take for granted now, which was originally a mistake. Like It was a a bug that became a feature kind of thing. It was, yeah, because like uh, Quake's physics handling was more advanced. It was handling the physics in all three dimensions. It was a fully 3D FPS game. And uh, John Carmack sort of, um, how would I say, put an oversight to the code that were just like, uh, the the physics of the rockets just pushed you in all three dimensions so that you could actually just plunge yourself up upwards with a rocket. So, what's season four? Season four, uh, it is mainly about Valve Software and uh, their start in the uh, whole FPS genre. It was basically right after Quake was released, uh, Valve Software was founded by Gabe Newell and Mike Harrington, and then then they developed what was later becoming Half-Life on their own sort of modified version of uh, the Quake engine. And I already theorized about how Steam wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Quake. Because if, if Quake didn't exist, uh, basically Gabe Newell and Mike Harrington wouldn't have actually 
<clears throat> any injuries right. just like going into the gaming industry if Unreal even got delayed later. So there was if like the no... Source, huh? The Source engine is based on Quake. It is, yeah, it is. As well yeah. as the Gold Source or the Half-Life 1 engine, yeah. They're all based... And I would believe even Source 2 today has some bits that are very familiar to uh, the Quake engine. Yeah. But I didn't go through Half-Life Alex in this one, though, because it wasn't actually released just yet. But you will uh, eventually get a VR set up and go all in. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe after 10 years, I don't know, because <laughs> it, it'll be old <laughs> enough already. But then Season 5, where I'm currently at, is called The Mimics of Success. And it is basically about the clones of Wolfenstein 3D and Doom in the 1990s. And that's going to be very interesting. And I, I've already like developed a hell of a lot of study out of it. Because I, <clears throat> I first uh, played through Ken's Labyrinth, the first episode of it, not the whole thing. Thank God. <laughs> the level design is just something else. But uh, then I went through Blake Stone, Aliens of Gold. And then uh, where I'm right now. Oh, actually, yeah, before where I'm right now is Cyclones on episode 46, basically. And that was... Um, that was a uh, sort of FPS game developed by Raven at the same time when they were re- uh, developing Heretic. Uh, yeah. What Raven decided to do in uh, the beginning of 1994 was split uh, the company into two teams. The other one was making a sort of a dark fantasy theme uh, sh- first-person shooter on the Doom engine that was later Heretic. And then the other team was uh, developing a sci-fi-themed FPS with uh, multiple other like very influential features to the FPS genre on the Raven engine, which was the Shadowcaster engine that John Carmack had developed for his research for the Doom engine. And uh, yeah, it is just mainly about uh, influential Doom clones. I will probably get to uh, Duke Nukem 3D in that as well, even though I've already completed it. But like, uh, I will probably do... At least one expansion of it, maybe. But so I will I get to like the other build fair. engine games. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think it's like it, I don't think it's fair to include the uh, 3D realms stuff and the the build engine stuff mm. necessarily as Quake clones. Because mm. I feel like that's a whole season on its own is the uh, Ken Silverman's engine yeah. becoming the the chief two point five D technically competitor to the three D compet- like games that were going on at the time uh, because I think they're so special right like so you could do a whole season potentially <coughs> on yeah you know here's here's Duke Nukem and then everything that came from it, like blood shadow warrior, redneck rampage. And, and now like, and you can even progress to now and say like ion fury, yada, yada, yada. And what's become of 3d realm since then could be an entire thing. Uh, I'm not telling you how to do your show. I respect you. No, no, that's yeah, that's sort of decision for you, but like, yeah. you could totally just <clears throat> dive deep into, into the whole logistics of yeah. what that, uh, what what that engine had and what its impact is on now, because the the though it is two point five D, 
what those games did for uh, modern gaming in general. Like it, more people really remember like Duke Nukem than a lot of the other stuff we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Like the, the, I think that Duke Nukem personally is a, a greater impact on the gaming community at large than, you know, quote any engine that we're going to talk about. Right. Like just him as a character. <laughs> yeah. Has, so much to say about like where we were at the time versus where we are now, yeah. uh, politically and, and everything. Like, Duke Nukem is a infinitely fascinating topic that you could get a lot out of. You can milk a lot out of that, I should say. And there's a lot of you know, each of those games, each of the the build engine games has like its own expansion packs. <clears> and, like, yeah, the, many of them are worth playing. Like, it's. <laughs> Many of them are worth exploring, I should say. But I'm, you know, I'm not here to tell you how to do your own show. But I would say that you should consider a, a whole dive into that uh, that part of the history of yeah. FPS outside well, of just Doom Doom Clone. Yeah, you're pretty much right. I mean, I, I sort of did that in, well, the first time I uh, played through Duke Nukem 3D in the very first season. Yeah. I how would I say? I, I sort of compared that to Doom. Uh, well, it was still a sort of a clone at the time because, like, the term Doom clone was still very much present in the beginning of 1996. Uh, it nevertheless just like featured the, the the protagonist, especially just having all its own personality. Because Doom guy, all you heard from Doom guy is just him grunting from just like humping walls or getting hurt by bullets or fireballs or anything like that. While Duke Nukem 3D had its own personality for sure. Mm-hmm. Time to crash this party and so on. And yeah, that is very interesting where where even story and FPS led to. And uh, where I'm currently at in goals of FPS is uh, Marathon. And that was sort of the Mac alternative of Doom. It was sort of the Doom clone on the Mac. And yeah. uh, that was developed by Bungie in 1984. And... Marathon may be the first one to like have its story scattered around all over the levels and just like computer terminals and so on. That basically the lore uh, and just so, some like text form on different computers around the level and so on. And it just like it sort of had the adventure element in it. It just like emphasized the story even more. And that's where the story and the purpose, like why you are there, what you're doing there in an FPS game, evolved in. So we're uh, we're past the two hour mark now. How would you like to uh, kind of wrap it up into a nice neat bow from here? Well, I don't know. Let's see. It's, it's very much like what what we already talked about. Uh, I mean, I, I have no more notes here. I actually just pretty much talked about everything I needed to. I mean, goals of FPS. I, I, I would have. <laughs> I would have. I would have. I would have thought goals of FPS would take a longer time than this. But yeah. Um, I uh, I think what you've done is very beautiful, and I hope that it continues to grow and flourish, yeah. and, and especially as you, you know, through your university pursuits and everything, like kind of gain a a better knowledge of what, where the industry is and what the technology is that you get, you know, better and better at what you do, man. Like I love it, and I think you're great. Yeah, thank you. But like I I I'm basically sort of. Um, what I believe Booth 342 said in the Doom is Dead podcast is like, 
uh, basically a jack of all trades in the community. I've I've done midis. I've uh, modded Doom. I've modded. Uh, well, I haven't modded much Quake, but I've I've studied the history of Quake. I've commentated tournaments in uh, Quake and Arena FPS in general. And I've also just I haven't like been a like an official voice actor or anything like that. But I have done some like voice acting on my own, just like some uh, old general just like ranting about our soldiers and everything like that. I even like did a uh, you don't probably know the Quake Machine at the Seal of Nahara, do you? Well, it's it's a four, it's basically a, it was developed in two thousand. It was a four hour Quake Machinima or a Quake movie. And uh, it consisted of several demos, and the first, the very beginning uh, of the uh, the movie basically just has uh, General Blake uh, receiving army grunts in a marine installation, and he was like, uh, "There was this enforcer just like delivering the grunts, just like General Blake, your new recruits." And Blake is like, "When will they arrive? They're right behind me, sir. I see no soldiers here." Soldiers of the future, sir. They are efficient and infallible. And trigger happy. I will not suffer these Frankensteins wide enough to get off from killing. It may be acceptable for other bases, but won't be tolerated here. These things don't understand what it means to be a soldier. Or loyalty. Or honor. I won't have them here. I will hand my resignation first. <laughs> it's like stuff like that. I strongly recommend that you and your friends get on out of here before I have y'all shot. Now, because I have the accent, I just sort of wanted to experiment with just voice acting and stuff like that. I'm not sure I'm very good at it. I mean, well, it's just me, of course, but like, I'm not sure I'm very good at composing midis either. They're only my covers, but like, I'm not sure how good they are myself. But I, I've sort of just like practiced a lot in this whole FPS community, I, I should say. I'm a jack of all trades, to say the least. At least on my own, yeah. I think it's going to be very interesting to see you progress over time and where you end up yeah. based on the amount of knowledge that you've accumulated over your uh, obsession with the genre itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very good at just like different things in this community i <clears throat> i don't really know like what i really do best do i do best at commentating do i do uh programming or just like modern doom better or anything like that or just like in general modding i don't know it's well, how old are you man what uh, I'm, I'm just turning 20 in a week uh, 21 what in i'm a week. saying what i'm trying to tell you is you're at the point in your life when you're supposed to just try everything. Exactly, yeah. And I've, and, I've sort of and, tried that, yeah. And once you find out what your passion is, what your unique route in life is, and it may be 50 years before you figure that out, uh, whatever that happens to be is going to be something that's just phenomenal. Yeah. And I know that already just talking to you for the – brief moments that we spend, you know, together in, in voice chat and, and here on the podcast and everything, I know that you're <clears> going to do something special and yeah. it's just a matter of you figuring out what that is. And every, every time I, I talk to you, I'll learn something. So that's what really all I have to say to you. Yeah. Like, but I, I, I'll be been, fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. But like, I, I've also been uh, <clears throat> wondering if, um, about the open league thing. If it hadn't gone down, I'd probably be in the higher ranked pro league um, commentators. Uh, 
But like because of that, I've just like theorized it this a bit. I wouldn't have the chance to like meet so many dedicated people in the community, and uh, well, maybe maybe I would have had that, but like I wouldn't have time to spend with them all the time since I've been just like uh, on such a uh, large amount of work, just like at that high position up there in the higher ranks, and uh, I wouldn't even have time for anything else. Basically, I wouldn't be a jack of all trades if I <clears throat> if I was a uh, basically pro player uh, no not a player but like a commentator in the pro pro league the uh the thing to take away from that i think is that everything happens for a reason and whoever the creator of the universe we live in has a uh they have an intention for you that you just don't know yet so don't worry about it you're gonna be fine yeah i will all right peace out brother thank you So the music you're hearing in the background is Operation Overlord by Capelli. He's too humble. His mini tracks kick ass, as you can hear. Uh, just got to send another little kiss, love, hug, salute to all the uh, fantastic folks out there serving in the, the great militaries of the world. No matter how you ended up there, sometimes you're conscripted, sometimes you're enlisted. I don't give a damn. Whatever it is you do, commissioned, I... Uh, just got to say that my heart goes out to you. This is a really fun episode, just getting to kind of reminisce on uh, the origins of the keep in a lot of ways, like what brought us to this point and how we got here. And uh, Capello is one of the perfect people to try to do that with because, you know, he was there for a lot of it, just kind of simultaneously happening. And if you haven't already, make sure you go check out everything that he mentioned here. Uh, Insanity Deathmatch, uh, Multiplayer Doom Federation has been doing... Uh, some events, you know, on the weekends and whatnot to explore that game, or that mod, I should say, and a lot of good feedback coming through there. Also, if you haven't already, do subscribe to Capelli's Twitch channel and uh, check out the Golds of FPS series. He is uh, killing it, man. Like, the FPS historian, as we call him. He's doing the work of the drowned god Cathala that I am uh, too lazy and unwilling to do sometimes. So just show them your love. If you're listening to the show and uh, you like it and you want to hear more shows like it, uh, remember that In The Keep does publish a couple of other shows that are very similar but have their own kind of twist. So first of all, we've got Doom Is Dead podcasts covering the history of multiplayer Doom with hosts Human Bones and Doosome. Human Bones being the head of the multiplayer Doom Federation. Doosome also that plus... He is a CAC Award committee member, so he has a literal encyclopedic knowledge of all things Doom. We also have Burning Bridges with Bridgeburner, who is uh, killing it, man. I've, I've really liked the first three episodes. The first one where I, you know, uh, was celebrating New Year's Eve a little too hard and maybe passed out at the end, and everyone laughed at me, but I had a good time, and I'm sure everyone else did too. Then he had a uh, General VV. Jason Mojica, who is the creator of Proteus On, and the most recent episode, as of this recording, was uh, sit down with uh, James Paddock, the, the MIDI man himself, Simpletonium, another uh, blossoming Doom mapper, and then Major Arlene, who is legendary. Go give her some love. Make sure you check out her stream and uh, play 
Technibox Antichrist color, or whatever the hell her mod is called. Technicolor Antichrist box. It's amazing. You may also hear it described as tab. If you are uh, listening and you'd like to become a supporter of In The Keep, which includes all of those shows, I recommend heading over to inthekeep.com forward slash support. There you'll uh, find all sorts of ways to support the show. There's Patreon. I actually recently made a coffee page, and uh, I set a goal on the coffee page just to see if it would even pick up any steam. Uh, many of you remember Realms Deep, and I had the, the big Cathala emblem, the sigil of Cathala, if you will, tapestry on the wall. And when we redesigned the logo, we have the fantastic new logo created by Uncle Head. Uh, I got to get a new damn tapestry, so I was just going to see if we could crowdsource that. <laughs> Instead of me having to pay for it, but we'll see what happens, man. I don't know. But if you'd like to support any of that stuff, uh, even just grab some merch, head over to our merch tab on the website, grab a t-shirt. And of course, there's Patreon. So I'm going to say a little bit of loving words to everybody who supports us there. Thank you to Paul, Moose, Dots, Zach, Alexander, Brad, Red Eyes, Anthony, Robert, Jack, Brandy, Fred, Lord Revan, Tones, I, Greg, Simon, and Morpher. Lambo and his wonderful family, Yanin. I uh, gotta say, I love you to the, the kiddos there at the Flam Fam. So, mwah, Brahm, mwah, Maria. And also to Mike, Zan, and Bridge for supporting the cause, man. Keeping the lights on here, and I love you for it. But the most important way that you can support the show, uh, money is one thing, but spreading the love. So, uh, rate. Review, subscribe, comment, like, whatever place you're seeing this at. If it's Twitter, if it's YouTube, if it's uh, you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, uh, Ghana to all our wonderful, wonderful fans out there in India, because y'all are like a huge demographic now, and I fucking love y'all. I wish I spoke Hindi, but I don't. So thank you for listening, and please keep supporting the show. You're amazing, all of you, everyone around the world. Peace, love, rockets. I love you. The Drowned God Cathala loves you. And until next time, stay in the keep. <laughs>